You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the POD cast. We are back after a day off uh, to kind of get everything together. We are back ready to discuss a whole bunch of things today. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of the POD cast, uh, managing editor of the Pride of Detroit. I'm sorry, the interim coach of the POD cast. Uh, I will be with you all night tonight. We're talking uh, list cast is back today. We're going to be talking the top 10 running backs for the 2020 season. Um, and we also got a little bit of current event stuff to talk up at the top. But before we get into that, let me introduce you, my guest with the barking dog in the background. Our good friend, friend Alex Reno is here, buddy. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, dog's barking. Somebody just knocked on the door, so this is the worst timing to <laughs> start fine. the podcast, but that's okay. We're a dog-friendly POD cast. As uh, as people that are here on our Twitch channel live uh, know, um, we we will have our, our good buddy Mansoor Shaheen joining us in a second. Um, but before we get into that, and before we get into this week's uh, topics, I just want to uh, send a sincere thanks to everyone who participated in our video game week last week on our Twitch channel. We raised over thirty five hundred dollars for the Know Your Rights camp. Hey, there he is, uh, and uh, Feeding America. We, we raised over $3,500. And so for everyone who showed up to the Twitch stream last week, er, last week, everyone who donated money, anyone who was just there playing video games with us, I very much appreciate everyone who participated, including Reno, including Mansoor, who were there um, for, for the week of festivities. Uh, it was a raging success, and I can't wait to do something like that again. So thank you, Mansoor. Thank you, Reno. Um, for for all your help and then and then our twitch our awesome twitch crowd was there and uh thank you to all of those people as well and and now that Mansoor is here hello Mansoor. welcome hello welcome to the pod guest <laughs> hello yeah no lost track of time for a minute <laughs> my bad but yeah, i'm here no worries. i'm here um okay so as i mentioned um we, we are going to be talking about the top 10 running backs for the 2020 season. Um, that'll start in our second segment. Um, first segment, we did want to address all the current issues. And I understand a lot of you are probably listening, either don't want to hear about it or don't want to hear about it from us. Totally understand. If, if that's the case, skip over to the second segment right now, um, because we are going to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. We are going to talk about police brutality, all that sort of stuff. We are going to kind of keep it in the frame of, of what's happening in the NFL, you know, the Detroit Lions, the NFL statement, that sort of thing, um, because we aren't necessarily experts in, in that field and maybe not the ones you should be listening to. Um, but uh, we do think it's appropriate to at least bring uh, those topics up and and address it because, it, you know, it, it's important. It's what's going on in this world. There's not a lot else going on in the NFL right now, and, and there shouldn't be. Um, as, as, and, and that leads us directly into the Detroit Lions and, and their reaction to it. Um, 
earlier in the week, in the last week, I should say, uh, Matt Patricia talked to Albert Breer about what they're doing in terms of their meetings. And he said, basically, football talk has been on hold. This was supposed to be, you know, phase three of the offseason where they were talking about implementing the the scheme and, and talking a lot of football. Patricia and his coaching staff decided to put all that on hold and essentially just hold meetings where the players talked about their feelings, talked about their experiences. Um, I, I guess I, let me throw it to you guys. I, I have to imagine you guys believe that's that's the right move. Is that something you expected out of this coaching staff, I guess, out of, out of this organization? I'll go to you on tour first. I guess it's not, maybe not what I expected, but I'm happy Patricia did it. Obviously, like he seems from, I guess what we previously knew about him, he seemed like someone who was very like football first, football, 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 and almost like to the point where like some players felt like it wasn't human, but obviously that's not the case, or at least right now that's not the case. And I think it's good that he's, you know, like when it comes to police brutality and this situation in particular, players on the Lions are a lot of them are black men, so they are more likely to be victimized by it. So I think it's good that Patricia and the rest of the coaching staff seems to understand that like, this is a hard moment for these players because like, yeah, like, I mean, they might see themselves in George Florida. They might know someone who themselves was a victim of police brutality, or they might be a victim of police brutality. So I think it's a good move by the lions and not something I expected. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, some things are just bigger than football, and obviously, this is one of those things. And um, I, like Monster, I'm I was maybe a little bit surprised that that actually happened, but I'm really glad that it did. And um, there's not really a whole lot they can even do right now, anyway. So it's it's kind of cool that they were able to just talk about their feelings, about their memories, their stories, and just kind of take a break from football right now. Yeah, and I think I think it brings up the point that you know a lot of you know, non-black Americans need to do right now is just sit there and listen. And um, it, it's good that, that Matt Patricia kind of stepped aside. One of the, I think, most telling quotes that I heard from him from that Albert Breer story was him just like, you know, my my instincts usually kick in and say, oh, there's a problem. I got to go in here and fix it. It's me. Let me, let me, you know, battle this for hours and stay overnight and fix it, fix it, fix it. But when it comes to something like this, he realizes it's not really his his fight necessarily. And, and not to say he shouldn't be involved in some sort of way, but it's not, you know, he, he can't fix it. He can't go in there and, and, you know, fix police brutality and, and, and all those sort of issues. It, it's hit for him right now. His duty isn't to lead necessarily. It's to listen. And, um, and, and, and I had the opportunity to do that. And, and, and hopefully a lot of Lions fans did too. When, when Duran Harmon had his zoom press conference later in the week, um, uh, I thought it was it was really important. It was really interesting. Um, eye opening in a lot of ways. He went for about 27 minutes, I think it was, talking about his own experiences with uh, police brutality and his own experience with um, interactions with the police. You know, and 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 you know, he also talked a lot about how he he saw a lot of progress in the NFL. Um, particularly interesting to me was you know, the, the stories that, that he told you, being a 17 year old, basically waiting outside of a Walmart to, to pick up his, his mom and his, I believe his brother outside, he was in a fire lane. And so a cop approached him and eventually things somehow escalated to the point where he was being dragged out of the car. And, you know, makes me think of, makes me think of a lot of things. One thing it makes me think of is like, this isn't just about people who have been killed by police. You know, that, that tends to, 
obviously, I mean, that's what sparked obviously all the protests, but you know, you see people arguing about percentages and who's being what, but like, this is so much more about that than that. There, you, I mean, you look at percentages in terms of escalation with police forces and it, it's much more um, weighted towards the black community. You look at um, conviction rates and, and availability of lawyers and like the, the whole judicial system, including the, the police force, like y- you listen to, any any player, not every, any player, but like majority of players, and and Frank Ragnow talked about this too. Just the depth of stories that the Lions players had this week while they were telling each other. This isn't just about you know people who have been killed. This is every Black American essentially has gone through some sort of thing. Every Black American has to have the talk with their parents about you know being with uh, interactions with the police, and so I think people kind of lose sight thinking like you know what well you know the difference isn't that big between black people and white people getting killed by the cops well even if that's true which i you know highly debatable depending on what data you you look at um this goes well beyond that and i think people are starting to see the broader scope of that now um that some people are telling their stories um i I didn't really present a question to the rest of you guys um, i i think i think one thing you're saying like yeah, it, it's much bigger than the like George Floyd or the police shootings or things like that. Like, uh, one one thing Minneapolis did was they kicked Minneapolis Police Department out of their schools. And like, I know for a lot of people, the thought of police officers at school seems like a safety thing. Like, oh, like if something happens, if there's a shooter, if there's a crime, or maybe a bomb threat. Like, oh, there's a police there, Is someone there will save the kids, things like that. But like what it actually means for a lot of kids, specifically like specifically black kids or just like kids of color, it's that like, that's a threat in your school who's like walking around the hallways. I mean, it, I, I'm lucky enough to live in the suburbs. So like I didn't have to experience a lot of this, but a lot of kids I've met in college who grew up in LA or Chicago or in like Southeast DC, like they had metal detectors heading into school. If, and and like so for at my school if two kids got in a fight then i mean they would go to the office they might get hit with like a suspension or things like that but if kids two kids in la got in a fight they would be hit with like felonies go to juvie juvie and that's like your life is ruined and things like kids in my school would like bring weed to school all the time like i mean you know we just get away with it because no one's searching our bags but then in these like specifically like black and latino schools in la or chicago their bags are being searched every day and just escalates these issues. So I think like beyond, beyond just killing beyond just violence, even just the general, like the way we police specifically black people and black communities in this city, we escalate everything and throw them in jail for literally nothing. I mean, stop and frisk like that. You had black kids just like every day, just police just bothering them and like turning their pockets inside out, looking for something. We just, we create crime almost in these black communities. So I think that's one thing that's very important to remember, like about the like black community and their relationships with police, because it's not like the black people are just committing a lot of crimes. It's that police are almost like finding crime where it doesn't exist. Um, Alex, is there, is there anything from either, Ron Harmon's press conference or Frank Ragnow's that, that stuck out to you as, as particularly poignant or, or important? Um, yeah. And I think you guys completely hit the nail on the head there, but from, from Harmon's, I think the word that kind of stuck out, which he mentioned several times is just heartbreaking. 
Um, he had a lot of heartbreaking stories to share. I think the Lions also just do a really good job of putting like the right people up on the podium or on, on Zoom in this case to talk about these things. Ragnow, I think, did a good job like as, as a white male or just a white person in general. We just need to sit back and listen to these stories, see what we can do. And that's it. Yeah. And then the other you know, Lions player kind of involved in, in the mix of all this is obviously Tracy Walker, who um, was a cousin of Ahmed Arbery, um, who was killed by um, white civilians. And then they were not charged initially until the video went out. And now they're kind of going through the judicial process. But that kind of also, you know, this that kind of tells you, like, this isn't just a movement about police violence here. That's an instance in which, you know, there was there was white violence, but it wasn't charged initially. For what reason? Well, I guess you can decide on yourself, but it seems pretty clear. Um, to, to close things out, let's let's talk a little. Let's expand our scope a little bit. Let's talk about the NFL reaction to it. Um, obviously, the Drew Brees thing sparked a lot of debate and and anger. But then Michael Thomas kind of, I feel like Saints receiver Michael Thomas kind of turned everything around with that video that he got with a bunch of stars from the NFL basically calling on the NFL to, to make big statements like, Hey, we made a mistake um, back in 2017 with Colin Kaepernick with his protests. And then lo and behold, the next day, Roger De- Goodell comes out and basically repeats the, the exact same statements of that video. He says, quote, we admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier. And we encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. Now I have to say, I was absolutely shocked that Roger Goodell said it. I was actually absolutely shocked to hear him literally say the words black lives matter, obviously in a pleasant way. Um, while, while they are just words saying them publicly, say them, them in defiance of a lot of people who, you know, three years ago would have, you know, claimed to, to boycott this league. Had he said something, anything like that. Um, yeah. Is, is this, I guess my question is, is this a sign of, of legitimate progress? Um, I, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, like I, this is one of the most stubborn organizations I've ever watched. I mean, they're just to, just to admit they were wrong. I don't think that all of these um, comments by everybody apologizing are the most authentic, but the fact that the NFL even did it at all is just insane because they never admit they're wrong about anything ever. <laughs> so this is actually pretty crazy. And I think it's definitely a good first step. Yeah, I think uh, I think the NFL statement itself, like Legrino said, like maybe some of these statements aren't the most authentic. But I think the fact that the fact that the NFL feels that they have to make a statement at this point is does push does show that things are going the right direction. Obviously, four years ago or three years ago, they were fine with outright banning kneeling, and we've gone from there to like every I think every single team almost the NFL themselves and like every sports league almost every single team dropping a statement about police brutality and racism uh so yeah it's it's definitely a good sign I think it's also great that players feel comfortable to speak on these issues both the NFL and college level I mean we saw like Akeem Hicks he mentioned like hey like the Chicago Bears signed Mike Lennon instead of Colin Kaepernick that's because that was racism that's what that was uh you see that I forgot his name, but the kid in Clemson who quote tweeted uh, Davos Davos Sweeney and was like, "Hey, like yeah. you let one of your coaches call players the N word and covered it up." So I think I think the NFL statement itself doesn't mean anything, but I think the the fact that the climate has gotten to the point where the NFL 
feels like they need to make a statement and where the players feel comfortable speaking up for themselves is especially college players. Cause they're, I mean, they literally have everything to lose, right They're Yeah. So I think that, uh, that shows we're making some progress socially. Yeah. And, and the NFL always kind of seemed to be one of the leagues behind and all this sort of like the NBA has players speak up on social issues all the time. And the league seems to support them doing that. Hopefully this is a sign that, you know, given that the, the or not Matt Patricia that um, Roger Goodell literally says the words like we support any sort of activism like that. Hopefully that rings true because yeah, like you said, this was kind of a rare week in which we, we saw NFL players go not necessarily in defiance, but in silence of the rest of the NFL and, and speak up on a lot of these issues. And um, the fact that they were able to do those. So without any sort of backlashes is, is potentially a big, a big step. Not only, right. I, I mean, and when you look at kind of the national conversation too, like most people were on their side. Most people seem to be against Drew Brees when his first statement came out. Would people have reacted the same three, four years ago? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, yeah, so, I agree. so it, it, it is some sign of, of, of progress. Um, obviously words are just words at this point though. Um, there needs to be legitimate action. And, and it seems like maybe we're getting there. Maybe we're not. That's probably something for, for a more political, more socially active uh, POD cast. But um, for now, I think that's a, a good place to, to drop the discussion. Um, it, it's, it's something that, that we're not going to, it's not going to go away anytime soon, either in the NFL or uh, socially. But um, I think that's a good way, good starting board for um, all the events that happened last week. So when we come back, we're going to move to, to some football talk. We're going to talk about the top 10 running backs for the 2020 NFL season. This cast is back. So stick around. We'll talk some football when we come back on the POD cast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome back to the POD cast. We are ready to move into ListCast. So hit that ListCast theme. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right, let's start our ListCast. All right, this week on ListCast, we are talking the top 10 running backs of the 2020 season. To give you a reminder of, of how this works, um, basically I asked eight of the Pride Detroit staff, and I'll name them right now, myself, Hamza, Ryan Matthews, 
John Whitaker, Jerry Mallory, Mansoor, Chris, and Alex uh, name their top 10 running backs for this year and this year alone. And the criteria is we're not taking into account their offensive line, their offensive scheme, um, their, their past, their future. It's just how good they are right now in a vacuum. They're, they're base, baseline talent. So if you were to throw this on a random team, how would you rank them one to 10 for their performance specifically this year? And so this is interesting because last week we did quarterbacks and we only named 13 quarterbacks this week. There was 18 different running backs named by our, our list of, of eight uh, guys on pride of Detroit. And a few of them that you got interesting enough, the, the top 10 that I voted for all made the top 10, but you guys Brandon. had a couple outliers and I don't even know if that's a brag or anything, but uh, <laughs> you guys had a couple guys that, that you guys are a big fan of that apparently not the rest of the staff are. So let's talk about some guys that didn't make our top 10 and we'll start with you, Alex, you had uh, Miles Sanders on your list as number nine. Tell me, I tell did. Me why you, you were the but, only one that voted for Miles Sanders. So, so let's hear why. Yeah. And I'll get to that in a second. I just want to first bring up that you put Melvin Ingram at 17 instead of Mark Ingram. Oh, my bad. That, that's a defensive end. <laughs> just wanted to just want to throw you under the bus real quick. Thank you, I thank you for doing that. that. No one nope. know that, but thank you. No, no problem. I saw that. <laughs> I just noticed it. It's it's fine. Uh, Miles Sanders, I like a lot. I'm a little surprised that nobody else mentioned him. I think he is like the perfect mold for today's NFL. Very good pass catcher, and unlike Austin Eckler, who a lot of people had in the top ten. Spoiler. I think he's a much better runner and he's a more complete back. So he only had one year in the NFL so far. And he only had, let's see, I think it was like under 200 rushes. So like an incomplete season, but um, I think he showed enough. I think he's a good runner, very good pass catcher. And uh, I know we're not talking about ranking by future, but I think he's going to be a very, very good player and a star in the NFL. Sounds to me like Brandon Lee got in your head. (laughs) Haven't even talked about that player once with him. Okay. <laughs> okay don't get it. Don't get it twisted. I like Miles Sanders a lot though. All right. Uh, let's start to you Munster. You had two guys on your top 10 that didn't make it. Uh, Chris Carson, who you had uh, seven, I believe. And Marlon Mack, who you had eight, which, yes. which guy do you like more? And, and tell me, actually tell me about both of them. All right. So Marlon Mack, uh, I had him at eight. He's, um, so yeah, everything Alex just said about uh, uh, Miles Sanders also true of Marlon Mack, uh, except Marlon Mack's better. Uh, he he's improved every year. He kind of came out of nowhere two years ago as like nobody he had a few big games to, like put himself on the map, and every year he's gotten better. I think last year he eclipsed a one thousand yard mark for the first time. He didn't he didn't like get as many receptions as usual, I think, but he's still like he's still formidable as a receiving back. He's pretty athletic, pretty fast. He's pretty good running back overall. I think a lot of people don't talk about him because I don't know why. And then Chris Carson, I don't know how I'm dealing with Chris Carson on their list. Chris Carson had 1200 yards last year. He's one of the like hardest runners in the league. I don't think he's like a Dalvin cook, Nick Chubb level running back, but he's like still, I don't know. He's, he's a great runner. He runs very smooth, great vision out of the backfield. Yeah. Lots of like what Chris Carson, I don't know how he, I don't know. Maybe people forgot about him. I feel like he should have been on more people's ballots. My, it's like, I mean, 4.4 yards per carry is so pedestrian and just seems like you throw anyone back there for Seattle and they're, they're going to rack up a bunch of bruising yards like that. And Rashad Penny, I mean, he, he averaged 5.7 carry. He would have probably had a lot more. He Did he just really? got in the rock. Did he? But he, he didn't, he barely like ran, like he didn't play as much. Yeah. 
Yeah, but he probably should have. Zach Zenner had like 5.3 yards per carry, I think. Also, <laughs> Miles Sanders had as many catches in his rookie year as Marlon Mack has in his entire career. So I don't want to hear saying that Marlon Mack <laughs> is just like Miles Sanders, all right? Come on. I, I, re- I really like Miles Sanders. I would also put, uh, spoiler, I didn't have Austin Eckler on my list. I would put Austin Eckler like, 17th or something. I would have Miles Sanders in front of him too. Uh, we agree on something so far. That's that's pretty early to agree on something between <laughs> fantasy us two. football people need to fall through a trap door. Like just go away. Like <laughs> Well, we'll get to Austin Eckler in a second. The the other guy that um one of the other guys that didn't make the list that was voted on by two people was Joe Mixon. He placed eleventh in our voting. Um none none of us three voted for him. Other guys that received votes are Le'Veon Bell, Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram, and James Connor. Uh but uh, let's let's crack into that top 10 and let's start right away with Austin Eckler at 10. So neither of you two voted for Austin <laughs> Eckler because apparently you guys hate guys who get a thousand receiving yards in, uh, in a year and eight receiving touchdowns and still manage to run for a solid 4.2 yards per carry. But what, what is there? Is there something specific you don't like about his game or is just he's not a good enough rusher? Um, I don't think there are a ton of great running backs in the NFL. I mean, you get to like the twenties and it's just, you're getting into names that nobody cares about, but I just, I think Eckler doesn't belong in the top 10 because he's just kind of still a gimmick back to me. And I never really seen him in a prominent role. I mean, he had around like, how can you call him a gimmick when he scores eight touchdowns though? Eight receivers. No, I agree. It's a gimmick. That's a lot of touchdowns. They're all receiving touchdowns. He had like four or five hundred rushing yards. Okay, I mean he's a like very screens. good player, but I would I would just think that there are better running backs that I would put over him because JD McKissick is is you're a, saying you're saying Chris Carson player. could anyone could do his job. Austin Eckler, like anyone could do that. Anyone could get eight touchdowns and well, like a thousand receiving the way yards he did on those like just on those screens and like just on tunnel screens all the time. I don't know. Like it's not. <laughs> I don't think you're you're making it sound way easier than it is. (laughs) Miles Sanders is PFF grade. The dude's not, he's not Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders would have done Austin Eckler did if he got to play with. Give Miles Sanders more targets, so he'll do more. If Carson Wentz was like a check down dude like Phil Rivers is now, then like Miles Sanders would be Austin Eckler times two. I, I will give you the the point that <laughs> that that he has become kind of a check down quarterback, except when he challenges Darius Slay in one of the last games, plays with he throws interceptions. Like, Jeez, yeah. why would you do that? <laughs> All right, let's move to number nine. Uh, we move to the NFC North here. Green Bay Packers. Aaron Jones comes in. And number nine, uh, basically got to vote for everybody but one person. I'm not going to out him, Jerry. Um, but uh, <laughs> let's talk about Aaron Jones. Uh, Reno, where do you have Aaron Jones on your list? I had Aaron Jones actually at number 10. So he okay, just so made it for right? me. Yeah. What do you what do you like about him? What what do you need to see out of him more to, to maybe have him higher on your list next year? Um, Honestly, He's done just about everything he can. I mean, he has really good stats, I guess, more touches. I mean, his yards per carry is pretty good. Um, his broken tackles tied for the most in the league. Um, anytime he touches the ball, I mean, he, he surprises you. He's done pretty good against the lines, if I remember correctly. I think it's just kind of a matter of like having better players in front of him, really, because it's not like he's really performed poorly. Yeah, I agree with that. Mounser, what are your thoughts on Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones is weird because like I don't think I don't think there's anything about his game that jumps out to me. But like 
he's just really good. Like it's 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 more like a jack of all trades, master of none thing. He's not like a speedster. He's not like incredibly shifty. He's not like uh, I mean, he's a decent receiver to not, but not like a, you know, like a McCaffrey or Barkley level receiver. He just does everything like so decently well that he's just hard to stop. And yeah, so that's why I put him at ten because I don't think I don't think he's like a top top guy. I think, but I think he's like he's definitely someone your defense has to game plan for and your defense has to like work hard to stop because he's just, he can just do so much. He's great vision. His speed is enough. His agility is enough. His explosiveness is enough. Everything is just enough to make cause trouble. And I think we, we need to point out like he was the centerpiece of that offense last year. He was the best Aaron on offense for the Packers last year. There's (laughs) there's really no question about it. He was, he was the reason why that team went as far as they did, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, improvement on the defensive side of the ball. And that makes, to me, like the selection of A.J. Dillon so much more confusing That's, to me. I, I still don't really understand what they're doing there. Um, I but, mean, it's, he's really athletic, and they just like to draft really athletic people, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's it. All right, let's move on to our number eight. We head out to the West Coast. We head out to Vegas. Josh Jacobs comes in at number eight. Um, let's start with you, Monster. What do you, what do you like about Josh Jacobs? You had him, what, six? Uh, yeah, I had him up there, I think. Um, yeah, looks like six. Six. I mean, he almost carried the, he almost carried the Raiders to the playoffs. Uh, he, they just, you just couldn't stop him. And I guess like a lot of that is a product of the offensive line, but he's just, what is he like is saying mini Derrick Henry? Like too much? No. Yeah. That's probably not right. But like he, <laughs> he's just, <laughs> he's just hard to stop. Like I, <laughs> Yeah, like every time I watched, every time I watched him play, he reminds me a lot of. And I guess I'm making the Chubb uh, Cook comparison again. He kind of falls into that uh, archetype, I think. And yeah, just really fun player to watch. I, I think it's it, part of the the trouble in creating lists like this is because there are kind of those two archetype of running backs. There's the do everything guy who can catch a ton of passes, who who probably split like sixteen hundred total yards between 800 rushing and 800 receiving or maybe a thousand of each in, in one case. Um, but then there are these workhorse guys that can carry the ball almost 300 times a year. And I think Josh Jacobs is one of those rare guys. And when you hear Matt Patricia talk about those guys and say like, there's probably only a handful of them in the league. And I think I'm not sure if Josh Jacobs is there yet. I mean, he's only one season in, right. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a hell of a promising start. And I, I, I think he definitely already will, deserve to be in this in this top 10 conversation what about you alex yeah i mean you want to take a crack at who had him the highest out of everybody on pride of detroit was me you i had him at number five so i i'm very partial to uh very good runners pure runners i mean i think he's he's an all-around player though like he only had 20 catches last year but i think that they could definitely involve him more in the passing game i think you could definitely see him higher on this list in the next couple of years but he was the third highest graded runner on pro football focus. And for a rookie, that's pretty insane. So, I mean, like Monster said, he had a really great year for the Raiders, almost carried them to the playoffs. He's, he's total beast. And I don't really like taking running backs that high in the draft, but it's kind of working out for the Raiders right now. Don't say that. Uh, The the one thing, and and this is kind of the, the thing I always use to, to pass like the sniff test of, of the running back is I always compare him to their backup and see like the production between him and the backup in terms of like yards per carry, because otherwise you you might just be looking at offensive line performance. Right. And 
you look at the Raiders and DeAndre Washington was their next leading rusher and he averaged 3.6 yards per carry to Josh Jacobs, 4.8. That's a pretty huge discrepancy. And mm-hmm. I think that shows to what, what Reno was saying in that pure runner. He's a, he's a pure runner and, and kind of rare breed in today's NFL. And whether that's valuable on the team or not is a, is a separate conversation to have. But I think uh, Josh Jacobs' talent is, is pretty undeniable at this point. Um, let's move to number seven now. The leading rusher in 2019, only at number seven, Derrick Henry comes in number seven. I had him number four. Um, we actually had Ryan leave him off the list completely. I was hoping you'd join us today right to now? explain that. Um, but but Ryan, looked at the EP, Ryan looked at the EPA and was like, Ryan Tannehill was can, the one who did it. <laughs> we, we can get a call in at the end of the podcast. <laughs> We'll have an addendum. Uh, <laughs> Alex, why don't you talk about uh, Derrick Henry a little bit and why you had him eight. eight. Yeah, I mean, I love pre-runners, like I said, but at the same time, you got to do a little something on third down. I don't think he's very okay. useful other than just running the football. And I mean, he's damn good at it. And I don't even think I have to t- say a lot about him because everybody saw what he did in the playoffs. So yeah, he just he just runs over dudes. And that that's all I got to say. <laughs> what about you, Hunter? If, if this list was just like, if the football season was just like December and January, Henry would be number one. But I think the big problem is just consistency. Like before last season, he was never any, I mean, he was like a bust kind of almost, right? Like he would never really lived up to expectations for the Titans. I think Dion Lewis was like the A guy over him in uh, 2018, right? And then well, he still he, had over a thousand yards in 2018. Okay. Okay. Never mind. I'm wrong. But like, he's, he's not, <laughs> he's not consistent. He, he'll go for like 200 yards one week and then disappear for two weeks and then come back. And like, you have to imagine one, his physical running style will take a toll on him. And then two, like eventually he's not going to be able to just like bust out these 200 yard games once a month. It's going to like, he's going to get slowed down. Also, I think the Titans in general, or like team of destiny and <laughs> however much you put into that. But I think that kind of, I don't know. I, I think it's impossible for the Titans, including Henry and, and Ryan Tannehill, all of them to kind of repeat what they did last year. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that on some sort of level, there are a couple of interesting things about Derrick Henry. And, and I, I think he deserves to be in the top 10 after his performance last year. Um, the fact that he was able to do all that in December and January, despite having 303 rushing attempts in the regular season shows that like, He's durable. I don't, I mean, we all know that doesn't tend to last a, a ton in the NFL, but he's still what, 26 years old. So um, probably has at least a couple more years in him. Um, but what, what I found interesting is that his receiving DVOA number by football outsiders is actually 10th in the league. He actually just fell one short of qualifying in terms of the amount of receptions that he got. Okay. Yeah, Marvin Hall it's actually a small led the NFL in yards for reception. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, it kind of shows maybe that's an underrated part of his game that's just not being utilized. Um, the guy averages 4.8 yards per carry for his career, just finished ab- above five last year. Obviously, the leading rusher, 16 touchdowns. I mean, he he's, he's Matt Patricia's wet dream. He's a Matt. I mean, he's the guy that, like, makes you believe that a hard-nosed running team could still succeed in this NFL. And yeah, a lot of it has to do with Tennessee and their offensive line and all that sort of stuff. But uh, at the same time, Tennessee doesn't get half as far as they did in the regular season or the playoffs without Derrick Henry. And I think he's, I think he was a game changer. 
Um, I think he was the identity of that team, maybe even including the defense. So um, th- there's really not a lot of running backs that can say that about their team that are the complete identity of them. And so um, I think Derrick Henry deserves to be in the top 10, but I'll take him at what was six, seven. Seventh is pretty good for him, honestly, in my All opinion. Right. Fair enough. Uh, number six, and the last one before we'll head to break. This is going to be a fun one because one of us left him off the list entirely while I think everyone else had him at least seven or higher. Alvin Kamara comes in all the way to number six. Let's let's just throw it right to you, Monster. I'm throwing you under Al- the bus. You didn't you didn't have Alvin Kamara on your list. Tell me why. Alvin Kamara is so thankful that Todd Gurley forgot how to play last year because it distracted everyone from what this guy was doing in New Orleans. All right, so he basically became like a much worse runner and a much worse receiver. I think like I think his reception total, his actual like physical total was the same, but his like yards per reception dropped significantly by like over two. Yeah, from eight point eight yards to six point six yards per reception. Um, like equal carry uh his uh yards per carry was about the same he like he just isn't very good anymore i feel like his main thing was just how good he was as a route runner and his ability to kind of kind of stretch the field from the running back role especially on wheel routes and those like texas routes but like he kind of just became a guy who runs curl routes he's just like jarvis landry 2017 but like kind of also a running back i don't know it's it's what, what's the difference between him and Theo Riddick? When theoretic was like fine, like (laughs) I just don't see. Like I think I think if he wasn't out, like he was incredible his first few years in the NFL. But I think like if we're looking at just his 2019 season, it doesn't justify being as high as he is on this list. Maybe last year was just a blip on the radar, and he will recover. But like he wasn't very good. Reno, you almost just left the podcast. (laughs) If me, if I if I was Chris Perfett, I would have just completely interrupted you and started talking over you like <laughs> five like five seconds into that. I mean, the guy the guy actually had a better rushing yards per carry last year than the year before. I think by a tenth a of a yard. It's better, right? And everybody was talking about how great he was the year before. I just think that a lot of the hate towards Alvin Kamara is because he started the year. I feel like he was like seven, eight weeks into the season without a single touchdown. And that's obviously kind of not great. But I think he was still getting yards every time he touched the ball. Um, I, and if you want to talk about consistent consistency, when we're talking about Derrick Henry, I mean, the guy has one not elite year and we're already leaving him out of the top 10 list. I mean, he was still pretty good last year. He just wasn't up to his normal capacity. So I think he definitely deserves to be on the top 10 still. I think he's still a very good running back. He just didn't really punch it into the end zone a whole lot last year. He definitely did not get a whole lot of yards when he caught the ball out of backfield and he got a lot of receptions, but I mean, that could have just been a scheming thing. Like defensive defenses might've just been trying to take him out of the passing game. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do next year. I, I do think it is insane to leave him out of the top 10. I'm sorry. I mean, I think he falls just outside the top 10 for me, but I, I mean, I think this is what it is. with running backs though. Like they have a few good years. And then the second, like the second they start showing that they're falling off, I feel like it's time to be like, all right, that's, that's all folks. There, there's some rare, there's some rare like exceptions, Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, even, but like, I think last year, like kind of like Todd Gurley in um, 
like yeah like i think like kind of like todd Gurley, like alvin Kamara kind of took a step down not as big as a step down but i think like his time as an elite running back is probably over <laughs> i think that's that an would, overreaction <laughs> i i would push back on a couple of things there one is we have to consider that alvin Kamara was battling through some low lower lower body injuries last year, an ankle injury and a knee injury that caused him to miss a few games. And I know that could linger. And, and when you get older, but we're ta- also talking about a dude who's 24 years old right now. Like he's still pretty he's, damn young and two great and years, not, one good year. And he's also in terms of like tread on the tires, he's barely carrying the ball between the tackles ever. Like he's been below 200 attempts every year this in his, in his three year career. And yeah, he's catching a lot of passes and maybe that'll even things out a little bit, but um, there's a difference between catching a pass and running between the tackles. You're getting ta- tackled by 200 pound guys instead of 300 pound guys. And, and that'll be a, a pretty significant difference. You're, you guys are going to see at the end of the year, you guys maybe, are going to see. Maybe <laughs> <guys> we'll see. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for the, the first half of our list cast of the running backs. When we come back, we're going to crack into that top five, talk about the best running backs in the league for the 2020 season. So come back. We'll be right back on a list cast or the POD cast. Stick with us. And we're back with our running back list cast for 2020. We're counting down the top 10 running backs that we think are in the NFL for this 2020 season. We just got done with six through 10. It's time to jump into that top five. And we're going to start with a guy that's in the news right now for not a great reason. Uh, at least if you're a Vikings fan, Delvin cook is our number five running back in the NFL. The guy who is potentially facing a holdout now saying he doesn't want to attend any sort of meetings, any sort of practices until he gets a fair deal. Well, let's talk about Delvin Cook, the player, before we get into any sort of that talk. I only had him at 10, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a, in a bit, and you can probably guess why, but um, uh, he had as high as some three votes, including from you, Mansoor, I believe. You had him three, yes. uh, and, and Alex had him four. So, so what do you like about Delvin Cook? Uh, so Dalvin Cook, in the first three games of the 2019 season, had as many 100-yard rushing performances as every Detroit Lion ever in the past five years combined. No. So uh, <laughs> he just, I mean, it's similar to Josh Jacobs, where he's just such a hard runner. And early on in the year, he really, like, like early on in the year, Kirk Cousins, as much as, as great as I think he is personally, like Kirk Cousins was really, like, playing terribly. And it was Dalvin Cook that kept the lions alive and he's the, or not lions. I'm sorry. Kept the Vikings alive. And if they started like, Oh, and three, Oh, and four or something, they don't make the playoffs. Like, so Dalvin cook, I mean, he's, he's such a hard runner. Almost. He's almost like too violent of a runner sometimes. And you see it. Uh, I mean, you see it show up in his injury history. I believe his rookie year, he tore his ACL against the lions. If I recall correctly, he, like drops the ball. And, um, but I guess that was a freak injury, but yeah, like he, he definitely has a lot of wear and tear on his body. He's very physical and maybe, that'll catch up to this year or next year. But I mean, for now, if he can stay healthy for at least like 10, 12 games, like he, he's like such a, he's just such an incredible runner in the backfield for Vikings. Yeah. I mean, top nine rushing yards, top six receiving yards, top 14 PFF, top 10 in rushing DVOA, top five in receiving DVOA, top 14 in broken tackles. I mean, the guy is as consistent as you can get. Um, I had him at four, I think, 
yeah. I, I, I'm a, I'm a little surprised he's at, he's at five because I think he's better than the guy above him too. So I think he, I think he had a really, really good year last year. Um, it was, I mean, it was really his only year that he was able to have like a full season and really provide all those stats and he had 53 receptions. So he's kind of a do it all back. Um, pretty yeah. much, pretty much the reason why the Vikings offense looks good at times. So. Wow. Shots fired Kirk cousins. <laughs> Sorry, Kirk. <laughs> um, I, I don't disagree with anything that you guys said at his healthiest. This guy's the top five running back and there's no question in my mind, but at his healthiest is not that often right now. I mean, he hasn't played a full season yet and he's three years in missed uh, 12 games his first year, five is second two is third. So he's trending in the right direction, but with his, with that physical running style, like the end is probably closer than, than the, than the beginning at this point. Like I, I just, I'm concerned about how, how he runs and I'm sir, I'm concerned about how, how his health holds up because more so than I think anyone else on this list, he has serious, serious injury issues. And that's why I had him so low. I think he's better than half the guys on my list, but the fact that he's, he's been injured so much means I just, I can't trust him. I can't trust him to be out there as much as some of these other guys. No, that's a cop out. What do you mean? That's a cop out. (laughs) You don't look at injury just, history when you're trying to back off. <laughs> totally healthy now. Never going to get injured again. Yeah, well, uh, maybe, maybe we can get uh, Mikel LaShore back in, in the fold too. Maybe he's. By fine. the way, I, I said that, that maybe I could jinx him and that uh, the Lions don't have to face him ever again. Wow. Just, he just tried to get an a NFL player injured. Do you hear that? What a sick human being. <sighs> I mean, I'm not. I'm yeah, not him like, cancel him. I'm not Nancy Kerrigan or anything. <laughs> Alex, All right, Alex our Reno number is over party. No. <laughs> <laughs> number four on our list, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, been a mainstay of this top ten list for longer than I think anyone else on the list. Um, kind of been one of those rare guys who's who's been productive, who's been mostly healthy for for a long string of games here. So. Maybe a little bit surprising to see him this low on the list, considering his his track record. But I'll I'll let you guys have the floor first, uh, Mansoor. What are your thoughts on Ezekiel? All right, hot take: the Cowboys' offensive line not as good as you might think it is in 2019. They were great in 2016, 2017, 2018, even great. Last year, really took a step back, specifically their guards. Uh, I know Zeke Elliott gets a lot of uh, a lot of people trash him because he signed that big deal, and I think he posted his worst yards per carry. Or actually, no, his second worst yards per carry of his career with 4.5 yards per carry, but he still had 1357 yards. Uh, he didn't really have great run blocking in front of him, especially between the tackles. So, like, and I think he had one of his best receiving years in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I mean, he made he makes the most of what he has. He's he's durable. Like he has so many he has so many carries at this point. He still yeah. somehow stays healthy. I think he scored a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, twelve touchdowns, the second highest total of his career, uh, highest since his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, what what more can you ask? He's kind of just making. He stays healthy and he makes the most with of every touch you give him, and he's. He's pretty much guaranteed to hit a thousand yards. And if he stays healthy again, don't be surprised if he's like hits a thousand yard mark again in 20, uh, 2020. All right, Reno, you had him pretty far down on your list. You had him what? Seven. seven. I did. Yeah. I don't, 
necessarily have a reason for him being that low. <laughs> I mean, I just like a lot of the guys that I had above him more. I mean, Elliot's been available his entire career. Uh, he's got a lot of volume stats. I mean, his yards per carry, good, not elite. But I mean, I guess when you're carrying the ball that much, you're not going to be running it for like six yards of carry or anything. He punches it into the end zone. You got to love that. You can catch the football. I just think I, I also think that Dalvin Cook is better better than him mm-hmm. at what he does. Um, obviously, Cook needs to be more available, but um, I don't have a lot of hate on Ezekiel Elliott. But I, I got nothing. I, I don't know. I just I don't understand how you can't view him as a top three running back right now. Like just considering his track record, considering that he's been doing it for as long as he has. I mean, the only argument you can make is like, maybe he's about to hit that wall because he has carried the ball over 300 times in back-to-back seasons, which is kind of unheard of at at this point in, in the NFL where everyone's throwing the ball a million times. But I I think, I think an underrated part about his game is, is the receiving aspect. You know, he had almost 600 yards in 2018, followed it up with 420 this year. Um, I mean, Lions fans know he can catch the ball in, in crunch time situations. Oh, Jared Davis no. knows he can catch the ball. Oh. <laughs> I was at Jared your house. Davis knows Dak, Prescott, Dak Prescott can pass in clutch situations. Yeah. Tracy Walker still did a game-winning interception in that game, I remember, right? Was that the same game? Mm, sure. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I guess there's a point to be made that the offensive line has been really good and aided him, aided him a lot along the way, and he hasn't rushed for four point over 4.7 a carry since his rookie season. But to me, I just like, he's, he's incredibly consistent. He's a guy that's almost impossible to take down uh, unless you're Ashawn Robinson and you can choke slam him. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there are a couple of younger guys that are above him and, and could potentially reach his level, but they haven't proven it enough for me to, to put him above him. So um I'm I'm a little ashamed in you guys. That's all, that's all I'll say. Yeah, I just think he's in a really good situation, and I I do think that offensive line is very good. So I mean, you put him on another team like the Lions, even is he going to be that good? Who knows. I, no. I just think I just think a lot of it's. I mean, like volume is big, but I think like I don't know four what four point five yards per carry. That's that's fine, but it's not not elite. Like he just touches the ball so much that you feel like eventually it's going to have to, it's going to catch up to him. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Moving on to number three, the Alex Reno special, Nick Chubb, Reno. I'm just going to let you take it. Why, why is Nick Chubb so good? Because he was your number two and I feel like you really wanted to put him number one, but you you couldn't. I really wanted to. Um, Now I can say that we're streaming and we're into this, that John Whitaker had him at number one. So somebody actually had him higher than me. And I am the biggest Nick Chubb fan in the entire universe. At least I thought (laughs) Um, Nick Chubb. I mean, again, pure runner. I would argue he is the best pure runner in the NFL. I don't think there is a better pure runner than Nick Chubb. He is contact balances on point, breaks so many tackles. He was tied for first with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones and broken tackles um, receiving yards per carry. I think was five. Only person ahead of him was Derrick Henry. Um, the only thing I would say is that he's not used enough in the passing game. And I don't think that's a fault of him either. I think if you put him on any other team that wants to use him more in the passing game, he is a very good pass catcher. He gets a lot of yards every time he catches the ball out of the backfield. 
I think the Browns just kind of criminally underuse him. And that's kind of crazy because they run the ball with him a lot, but they could do even more with him. Um, I think they, I think he had 32 catches last year, which is a little more than his rookie year. I think that his rookie year, he had 20 catches. So, um, 1500 rushing yards. I mean, the dude is a beast. I, I like him a little more than, uh, guys like Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Dalvin cook. So Nick Chubb's just a beast, man. He's a beast. Munter, what are your thoughts? Uh, so yeah, I had I had Nick Chubb right behind right behind Alvin Cook at four with Cook at three, and I think uh, I think that's they're super close to each other. The one difference between Cook uh, as, as a receiver, Nick Chubb, great runner. Uh, I think maybe the second best pure runner in the NFL behind Cook. Uh, just could provide more as a receiver, and I mean, I guess Alex is saying it's probably more on the Browns than his Chubb. But yeah, uh, definitely elite back, one of the like best pure runners the NFL has seen in recent years. And the last year, like 1500 yards. That's, that's like unreal. Like I, I mean, Derek Henry, I guess still had more than him, but yeah, that's, that's almost unreal total. Yeah. It's hard to do that when you play for the Browns. <laughs> that, that too. Um, 1500 or 1600 kind of feels like the new 2000 yards in the NFL yeah. these days. Um, I mean, the, the other thing is just, as in his career, he's currently averaging 5.1 yards per carry. That's like, that's college football numbers. That's, that's crazy to, to be averaging over five yards a carry and having last year being five, 5.0 yards per carry and being his worst of the two years by, by yards per carry measure. That's, that's insane. Um, I can't, I, I can't admit that I, I watch many Cleveland Browns games, but when I see highlights of him, I know he's legit. I think he's he's definitely a top five back. Um, he has a bright future. The fact that he's played in all sixteen games, he had almost three hundred attempts last year. Like now, he's getting really ramped on on the production, and he's proven he can stay healthy so far. And so that's that's really the big question when you get to these workhorse backs that are so rare in the NFL: is can they withhold that sort of production and and withstand, I should say, that production and and still be effective? And so far, he's passed every test through two years. And so um, I think he'll probably continue to be a big focus of the offense and. I don't know if he becomes a bigger threat in, in the receiving game. I'm not quite sold on that part of his game as much as Alex is, but um, given given the talents that he has as, as a pure rusher, um, I'm not that concerned about it either. So let's move into the top two, starting with Saquon Barkley comes in at number two. He had one first place vote from Chris. Everyone else pretty much had him either second or third. Um, let's start with Alex. What do you like? Actually, no, we, we just talked to you about Chubb. Let's, let's throw it to Mansoor. Tell me about Saquon Barkley. So Saquon Barkley's rookie year was, might be one of the like best seasons I've seen from a running back like ever. And last year, all his numbers were down a bit because obviously he missed a few games with that injury, but he was nearly just as good. Um, I think it's easy to kind of forget about him a bit because the giants offense is disaster. Their quarterback is really bad. Uh, and, but yeah, I mean, he kind of does everything you'd want a running back to do. Even his like main issues in college, he seems to have worked out of his game. I remember there was a big thing where like people were saying he's scared of contact and that he, his vision kind of sucks. He's indecisive and he just kind of bounces every run outside, but that even kind of disappeared in 2019. He didn't do it as often. So like if he's worked out, if, if a guy that good already has worked out the biggest kinks in his game, then he's like he can take over the league if assuming the giants give him, you know, anything to work with around him. But yeah, like he's, he's only getting better despite how great he's been. 
Alex, talk to me about Saquon Barkley. Um, I think it's very close. My my number two and my number three, Chubb Barkley. Barkley was my number three. Um, I think he he did suffer from an injury and he played what like three less games. Yeah. Um, I would argue that Chubb even still had a better year than him last year. But I think Saquon is kind of the the running back that a lot of teams are looking for. Very good runner, very good uh, catcher out of the backfield. Um, I my concerns with him coming out of college was that basically his vision wasn't very good. Montour kind of touched on that a little bit. I still don't think it's great, but with Barkley, it doesn't really matter because I mean, he'll, he'll go one yard, two yard, three yard, another one yard rush. And then all of a sudden you get, he's got like an 80 yard touchdown for you. And that's, that's something that you don't get, get out of a lot of running backs in the NFL. So. Sounds like um, one guy I remember. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Who? Who? Uh, well, if someone subscribed to the channel right now, you see him on your screen. I'll just give you that hint. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not a terrible comparison. They, I mean, they draw that comparison a lot with this guy. And, and it's, I mean, all you have to honestly look at his game log from last year. Like he had one game where he had th- 13 rushes for one yard. And then he has another <laughs> one where he has 22 rushes for 189. Yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, the giants offensive line, I don't think they're as bad as uh, people say they are, but they are, they, they weren't giving him much to work with. Like right. there's some plays where like, he's just, he gets the ball in the backfield and just gets swarmed. And I mean, yeah, Jesus couldn't make his way out of that. Barry or sorry, the man, that guy couldn't make his way out of that. <laughs> <laughs> you can say his name. It's fine. <laughs> Is he a curse? <laughs> no. But yeah. No, I think, I think uh, Saquon's incredible. He, hopefully he stays healthy and hopefully the giants get it together. Cause I, t- I, I really think he's like one of the most exciting talents in the league. I was I was gonna say he's the most fun to watch on this list for me. I think yeah. he's the most maybe maybe the most fun player to watch in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. short of Patrick Mahomes and maybe Lamar, maybe Lamar Jackson too. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Debo Samuel? No, and yeah. I, I know you. We'll, we'll talk about wide receivers <laughs> next week, although you probably won't be here. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you're, if I'm you're, invited, maybe we'll, we'll see. Reno hit his one podcast quota for the year. It's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's been two. I was on for one of the draft podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about our number one on the list. I'm pretty sure everyone knows who it is by now. Christian McCaffrey, CMC, almost a unanimous uh, pick for the number one, but. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, John had Nick Chubb, uh, Chris had Saquon Barkley, and then everyone else had him as their number one guy. So let's talk about him. What What do you guys like about Christian McCaffrey? Um, what What makes him head and shoulders the guy above everyone else? I so last year, I mean, during the season, I do the power rankings, right? And usually, what I do is I watch like I watch the quick highlights because like I don't watch every game on Sunday. Obviously, I watch the quick highlights and I look at the box score. And like, it was just like, without a doubt, I'd open the Panthers box score and it would be like 250 combined yards of scrimmage from McCaffrey just every week. It was, it was amazing what he did last season, like on a team that's kind of like the Panthers suck. Like they're really bad. (laughs) (laughs) That that team sucks, but they were, I think they were like relevant in the playoff race till pretty late in the year. Right. And it was because every time Christian McCaffrey touched the ball, whether it was, rushing out of the backfield or on a screen pass or on like a quick out route or a Texas route or something like he might bust it for 40 yards and a touchdown. It's every time he touched the ball, he's just so explosive. He's so fast. He's so smart with the ball in his hands. He's so hard to tackle. Just everything 
everything you could, I guess like we were talking about most exciting players in the NFL, like up there with Saquon is Christian McCaffrey. And yeah, like he, he dragged that team. They, they were actually five and three in in week nine and then lost the last eight games of the season. Yeah. (laughs) And and that happened when he kind of like towards the end of the year, he, he was still good, but you saw like a small drop in his numbers and that's what happened. They just started losing everything. Reno, what do you love about Christian McCaffrey? Oh, everything. Everything. I mean, if, if you want to invite me to next week's podcast, tune in and I'll tell you why he's a top five receiver in the NFL. Like, <laughs> he's, he's just so good at everything. And I'm going to admit, I'm going to throw myself under the bus. I had him as like the fifth best running back coming out of the draft. I didn't have him very high compared to most people. It was still pretty good. I mean, I liked him still. But uh, I was a little concerned with his running ability. I thought that uh, he was only a space guy. I didn't think he was a very like good runner in between the tackles. But I think he's really improved on that, and he's kind of shown us that he can do literally everything. Um, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna call him out right now, John and Chris. You guys are wrong. He's the best running back in the NFL. It's it's not even that close. Even as a Nick Chubb lover, um, he's literally just. I mean, he had what like 2,500 yards from scrimmage last year. He's he's incredible yeah um let me just run through some stats uh third in rushing yards with 1300 um first in receiving yards the only person over uh, a thousand third in pff grade fifth in rushing dvoa fourth in receiving dvoa and the third ever person in the nfl to have a thousand receiving and rushing yards in one season first time since i can't remember who it was but in 1999 so um unheard of really unheard of in, in this era of football. Um, extremely exciting player, break tackles, speed. He's really got everything to his game and um, has no real signs of slowing down. And yeah, like if there were concerns about his rushing game, certainly been, been blown to pieces at this point, 4.7 yards per carry for his career, back-to-back thousand yard seasons, 15 rushing touchdowns last year, 15. He can do everything. He's 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 an impressive man and uh, a game changer on offense. And and yeah, maybe it, even as it looks like the Panthers are still kind of spir- spiraling right now, um, they're still going to be at least somewhat relevant in the NFL conversation just because of this guy alone. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lions can only hope that DeAndre Swift can turn into this type of player. Only one person in the NFL more catches than him last year, and he's a running back. And that was... Michael Thomas, the wide receiver, had 149 catches. Christian McCaffrey had 116. And McCaffrey is a better receiver than Michael Thomas. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> sure, whoa. There are some people out there, including Montero, obviously, that will argue that. <laughs> people, people are going to think I hate the Saints. I had I had Drew Brees higher on my list than a lot of other pod people. I don't hate the Saints. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right that'll do it for our list cast let me run through them real quick we'll go from one to ten this time number one christian mccaffrey then saquon barkley nick chubb ezekiel elliott delvin cook alvin kamara derrick henry josh jacobs aaron jones and austin eckler rounds out your top 10 nfl running backs for 2020 and that'll do it for this week's podcast i want to thank reno and Mansoor for joining us uh both special guests i kind of forgot to mention that up top because we don't have our normal crew here Ryan Matthews taking the week off. So thank you guys for joining us. Check out Reno at, oh my, POD underscore Reno. Is that right? Uh, on Twitter at Alex underscore Reno. And uh, on Twitch, if I ever start streaming again, which I hope to, it's uh, 
at pod underscore reno so and then you can catch mansoor on twitter at, at mansoor shaheen that's m-a-n-s-u-r-s-h-a-h-e-e-n correct yes and on twitch at uh twitch tv slash victory falcon where i never stream and someone just ligamented me in the chat <laughs> <laughs> well done uh yes so if you want to just follow someone on twitch and never get alerted when he's live at victory falcon do it (laughs) all right thank you everybody for joining us uh appreciate you putting up with uh our first segment if you had to uh and and next week we're gonna have a couple more special guests we're gonna be talking about the top 10 wide receivers in the nfl so make sure you join us until then though it's chaos be kind we'll see you next week